the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We're ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Alright, this is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to another amazing episode here of the two-man power trip that if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz, but flying solo for this introduction of today's guest, the last real man, Silas Young. Now, before we get started, want to remind you that on May 18th in Richmond, Virginia, we are bringing to you the TMPTCon 3 Spectacular, featuring the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road in Richmond, Virginia. Head on over to TMPTofWrestling.com for more information and to get all the ticketing information, that's the most important part, for TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, so far featuring a really cool and diverse cast of characters that will also be in attendance to include the bitter rivals of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette, Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express, but as well as how about Boris Zukov, Earl and Brian Hebner, and the franchise Shane Douglas and Francine, the Queen of Extreme, getting together for the first ever time in Richmond, Virginia. Never managed there together, never worked there together, never been in the the beautiful city of Richmond, Virginia together. So the first time ever for Franchise and Francine in Richmond, Virginia. So put it on your calendar, May 18th, 
we will be down there having another grand old time at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road in Richmond, Virginia. But let's get into today's episode with Silas Young. Of course, the last real man that when you see Silas Young, he is an intimidating force to say the least, but he's here to talk about MKE Wrestling the last night on April 19th at the Knights of Columbus in Alice, Wisconsin, featuring his brand of professional wrestling. This is a league that Silas actually does promote, and he is bringing an amazing card to the Knights of Columbus for the last time ever before they tear the building down, and this building has just decades worth of wrestling memories in it and he's closing it down in the right way by having a very rare appearance by the legend himself Baron Von Raschke appearing at MKE Wrestling's The Last Night as well as somebody who we really appreciate and enjoy on this show obviously he's a trainer to the stars but he will be performing that night he is a steal and a steal if you can find it deep 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 in our archives joined us in our first year and gave us one of our best interviews that we uh, we ever had, and was so informative. And uh, you hear a lot about that scene out there in the Midwest and up into Wisconsin uh, in the stories there with a steal. But it's Silas Young's turn today to join the two man power trip. And years ago, we tried to get Silas on, but there was some uh, scheduling issues. So it's been a few years in the making to get Silas on with us and to get him on to talk about his own product. It to me is just as special as you could possibly imagine because. This is something you're giving a guy an opportunity to really not just promote, but to to absolutely give the proper promotion to. When it's something that you work on as hard as, as a wrestling promotion or like in our case, a wrestling convention, when the finished product finally is done, it's a sigh of relief. But when you're trying to get the word out for it, it's something very special because nobody can give it the description that you feel it deserves rather than the actual promoter itself. And he's been doing it for about a year and he's seen how it's grown. And to have a show like this in the Wisconsin area, it's obviously a very special thing to Silas. And in this interview, you're going to hear just how somebody who is such a, a real man's man and such a uh, uh, just a big guy can be so proud of something that he's worked on uh, in a very special way. So I really, uh, I think you'll take from this interview uh, that when you have something as special as a wrestling promotion or something as special as an event like this one, you can really make that emotion shine through uh, the microphone. And Silas does a great job of explaining MKE Wrestling and what this show, The Last Night, is going to entail. But he's also coming off a giant weekend for himself and for also Ring of Honor as uh, the big WrestleMania weekend show or the WrestleCon weekend show, or you could say the New Japan Ring of Honor weekend uh, with all the amazing things they had going on in New York City at Madison Square Garden, something that nobody could ever possibly imagine would take place to be anybody except a McMahon promoting a wrestling show in Madison Square Garden, but Ring of Honor and New Japan just did that this past weekend to a show that's getting great reviews, and Silas right in the middle of that, so he gets to take us into Madison Square Garden and give us this perspective that he had from living out a dream of performing in the world's most famous arena, because up until this show took place, you really never thought, unless you were in the WWE, you were not getting to Madison Square Garden. And it's good to see that kind of foster of change in the wrestling landscape because you can 
do really anything now. And we're going to see AAA is going to be there later this year. And who knows, maybe they'll be more down the road because Madison Square Garden now seems like it might be kind of open season for a wrestling company. If you have the ability to fill it, you're going to be able to uh, to run Madison Square Garden. Looks like the McMahons have kind of backed off. It looks like they're making Brooklyn the uh, the new Madison Square Garden. And, uh, you know, no offense to Brooklyn, it's my uh, place of birth. But it is not the world's most famous arena. It does not have that history of all of the amazing moments. You know, the Hulk Hogan winning the world title, the Bruno San Martino sellouts, the uh, just the, the cage matches, the, the boot camp matches, uh, J- Jimmy Snuka flying off the top of the cage. All of that was at Madison Square Garden. And it's absolutely unreal that WWE would kind of uh, sour that relationship and not want to run there anymore. It just makes absolutely no sense, especially when you know that New York City fan base is so diehard and is so supportive of anything that that is going on in the wrestling world. They are smart. They know everybody. They know everything. They know every feud. And there's no absolutely zero um, surprise that, New Japan and Ring of Honor were able to sell out that show, especially on a weekend where there were so many wrestling fans from all over the world in New York City and the surrounding areas, including New Jersey. I mean, we were right across the river in New Jersey on Sunday, and you could still feel it that, yeah, there's a lot going on here, and it doesn't specifically have to be WWE-related. But with Silas Young, we talk about all of the great things that he's done in Ring of Honor. We talk about a lot of his marquee feuds. And John and Silas get to kind of cut a rug and talk about, you know, just all of the insane matches that he's had uh, because he's just a guy who wants to get in there. He wants to fight. He wants to beat somebody's ass. And he does that very, very well in Ring of Honor and has made such a niche for himself and even revealed that he had signed a three-year contract to stay with Ring of Honor. So he's going to be in there for the long haul. And there's so such a special vibe to him that it makes him perfect for that product. Uh, to know that, you know, somebody might come through the door, especially when we talk about the Dalton Castle feud. Somebody might come through the door that when it's the contrasting styles, it almost makes for the best matchups because, yeah, you know Silas Young? Well, guess what? Dalton Castle is the complete opposite of what uh, Silas Young is. And when they got together and their feud started to ignite, it was real. And it was really, uh, it was intense. And Silas gives a lot of details on how intense that it really got. And maybe if it took place now, as opposed to a couple years ago, he may have either been in some trouble for some of the stuff he said, or there might have been a little bit of kind of like a challenging way to get around doing that storyline because of the fact he's the real man's man. He's supposed to be, you know, the 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 stand-up for what was, you know, the the actual stereotype of what a man's man is versus Dalton Castle's coming in and being the counterculture to everything. And it was of a, a great contrast in his styles and a great feud. But John gets to break all that stuff down. He talks about Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen's last match in there with Silas Young and Ring of Honor. And just really a great look into the Ring of Honor time of Silas. But we're here to talk about MKE Wrestling, the last night taking place at the Knights of Columbus on on Saturday, April 19th at the Knights of Columbus in Alice, Wisconsin. Please support MKE Wrestling and head over to MKEWrestling.com for more information. If you're in the surrounding Wisconsin area, you can get there. You'll get to see the legend himself in attendance, Baron Von Raschke, as well as Ace Steel in action 
at MKE Wrestling's the last night. And look, we want to really thank Silas for taking that time to come on with us because, uh, like we said, I was actually looking at my notes and saw that it was in April 2015 when we were supposed to have him on the first time. And uh, now to get him on four years later is so cool. And it's, uh, it's a great platform for him. I'm glad we were able to get it done now because there's no better time than the present. And we definitely picked the right time to have Silas Young grace the airwaves of the two-man power trip, and we appreciate him for doing so. So before we get it on into this interview, want to remind you today's episode is brought to you by our TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, and head on over to our website, tmptofwrestling.com, and get all the information, see who's going to be in attendance, Click on the link for the tickets, and if you're coming, I suggest you get that Jim Cornette VIP and head on out to the experience. The Jim Cornette experience taking place after the convention hours where Jim Cornette's got his live mic, and the Lord knows what's going to come out of his mouth. So be in attendance at TMPTCon 3, and you will not be disappointed by any of that. I can guarantee you, if you know what Jim Cornette's all about, then you know what you're in store for. So let's wrap it up here nice. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get this show on the road to the last real man, Silas Young. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a two-time Ring of Honor World Television Champion, a Ring of Honor Tag Wars winner in 2016, and a two-time AAW World Heavyweight Champion. He is the last real man. This is Silas Young. Please enjoy.
right here, right now. Joining us on the line tonight is a two-time ROH World Television Champion, a two-time AAW World Heavyweight Champion, an ROH Tag Wars winner in 2016. He is the last real man. He is the one and only Silas Young. Silas, thanks for coming on with the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thanks for having me on, guys. So we're here to talk a little MKE Wrestling presenting The Last Night. It's going to be a show that when I look at it, Friday, April 19th, I look at the fact that Baron Von Raschke is on the poster of this show, and I want to get to talk about that. But tell us a little bit about MKE Wrestling and tell us about The Last Night. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, MKE Wrestling is a thing I started about a year ago. Uh, there was an opportunity to wrestle or to uh, run wrestling shows at the uh, old Knights of Columbus building, now known as the Columbus Club. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's a building that's got a lot of wrestling history there. You know, there's been wrestling there since about the early to mid-90s. Uh, you know, not the whole time through, but it started then and had a few years where it wasn't there. But, you know, for the most part, it's there's been wrestling there for that whole time. There's a lot of guys that came up through there, you know, a lot of local guys. Even guys like CM Punk and Cole Cabana, you know, had so a lot of their first matches at that place, and you know, worked there for years. Uh, so, you know, the, that opportunity came up, and you know, something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I think when you're involved in the wrestling business, you at some point decide you want to run shows, and I thought it was a good time. My schedule was, you know, light enough for that; it allows me to do it. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, guys that I'm trying to use from different places that uh, the fans in Milwaukee aren't getting to see. So, you know, I'm trying to offer something a little differently there. Yeah, uh, that's very cool. And just kind of checking out MKE Wrestling, and obviously, you know, with us and seeing a lot of things that go on on the East Coast, it is always cool to look at that part of the country and see what's going on with the, uh, you know, with that with that Milwaukee area. It's always been very intriguing to me because of the history on there. But like I said, Baron Von Raschke being at this event and thinking about the AWA and thinking about how they would come through that territory, uh, it's pretty cool to see it tied in. And obviously, you know, you're a year into promoting on this yourself. So um, what does it mean to have a guy like Baron Von Raschke appearing at your event? Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty cool, you know, like you said, uh, you know, the AWA came through here a lot. There's a lot of uh a lot of older wrestling fans in, in the Milwaukee area, a lot of, you know, real old school fans, guys that would have went and saw Baron Von Roski when they were kids or, you know, teenagers. So that, to have a guy on the show like that, you know, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that, you know, that that Baron Von Roski at like just about 80 years old still taking bookings you know that's i think that's something pretty <laughs> admirable uh but uh you know so it, it'll be cool to, to to have him on the show and you know the like i said there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh wrestling history in that building and you know baron von Roschke is wrestling history so you know i think it was a you know just a good nod to wrestling and to the building and uh you know something give the fans something a little different that they haven't seen in a long time you know so that was kind of the idea behind that as well as you know the some of the guys that work at the uh, the Columbus Club, you know, they're big, they're they're big wrestling fans themselves. So you know, I thought it was something pretty cool for them as well. Yeah, you think about that era of Baron Varashki, and you think of the AWA, and obviously the guys that are no longer with us from that era, and him being close to eighty years old. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be huddled around Baron Varashki just to hear some of the stories. But you know, you yourself being very old school, is there something with Baron Varashki that? 
you know, it, just as a fan, you know, you'd like to know about because that is a bygone era. And you hear some of the legendary stories, you know, of the Crusher and the guys that are really dominated Milwaukee and uh, Baron Von Raschke really being a, a strong link to all those past, uh, you know, glory days of the AWA. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the things I think that, you know, I, I would ask them about would be a little differently, but, uh, you know, um, I, yeah, it's, I think guys like that, it's all about learning the history of wrestling, you know. Uh, you got to kind of learn what, what came before you and before you, them and before them, you know. It's it's a, it's a cool business to learn about. I think if you're, if you're part of it, you're definitely a fan. That's You know, it's always cool to be able to sit down with guys that have been there and done that and, you know, hear their stories, you know, no matter – no matter who they are or where they've been, but then you put into the fact that it is a, a, a huge star like Baron Von Roschke that who hasn't wrestled in what, I don't know, probably well over 20 years, uh, you know, for him to still have such a name that people know it, you know, it says a lot about him. I'd love to ask him about that uh, ill-fated WWF run there in 1988 and what the heck was going on <laughs> with the, with him <laughs> with him as a manager. But also another guy that's going to be in attendance is Ace Steel, and we obviously we love Ace Steel on this show. He uh, he gave us a long interview way back in our early days, and uh, him he's another guy, just a, an absolute you know strong asset to the professional wrestling world, and somebody with a lot of experience, a lot of stories. And, uh, again, you know, you can just see just from, like I said, us outsiders looking in that you're MKE wrestling really, uh, you really have a great foundation you're building there, Silas. Yeah. You know, um, you know, a guy like Ace is, you know, Ace is the guy that wrestled there for a lot of years, you know, with this being the last show I'm trying to, you know, bring in guys that are not, not only talented, but, you know, guys that have had some history there. So, you know, uh, you know, he'll be there. Uh, I believe, uh, Dave Prezak will be there. Um, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be cool to have a lot of these guys that have been there and, you know, and Ace is a guy who's still, you know, he's been wrestling for a long time, but man, he's still pretty awesome, you know? So it'll be, uh, it'll be a pleasure to have a guy like him on the show, you know, and he's gonna, uh, you know, he's gonna definitely add to any show that he's on. So I, 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 it'll be good for some of the younger guys that I use to be able to watch his match and see what maybe they should be doing. Now, if I was to make a list of promoters in my head, you know, when I think about what I when I see a promoter today, not many promoters look like yourself. And that is saying that you are still you're a very intimidating guy in every sense of the word. So you being the promoter, (laughs) I got to say, as a as a young guy who's breaking into the business, that's got to be so intimidating for them. But how has the promoting been for you in taking on that role? Because obviously, you know, one year, that's that's a good little picture to kind of show what you're going to be in for. But how have you taken to that promoting side of the business? Uh, you know, I, I I enjoy it. You know, I do the the promoting and the booking myself. You know, I got a, a buddy that helps me out with a lot of like a lot of the stuff, like designing the posters and uh, you know the, doing a lot of the social media posts and stuff like that, and dealing with like online ticket sales and stuff. Uh, but you know, I I enjoy it. I I like I kind of feel like uh, it's my way of a little bit of giving back to wrestling, uh, where maybe I can work with some of these young guys and give them ideas and you know try and help help make them better. Like I don't, I, I dabble a little bit in the training, but to be honest with you, I don't have the patience for it. So I'd rather work with guys who are, you know, been working for a while, uh, you know, are fully trained and, you know, I like helping polish guys up. So it's kind of, you know, it's something for me that I enjoy doing, uh, you know, working with these guys. And then it's also, you know, it's good for them. It gives back. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I enjoy it. And I think it's something that will definitely be, you know, keep doing It's definitely a learning experience though uh you know some shows have been 
better than others, but they seem like they've been kind of going up and up. So that's good. Oh, that's awesome. And obviously, you know, right now, as we're recording this, I mean, this is just a gigantic week in the history of the wrestling business. So it's kind of every wrestling. It literally seems like it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. I mean, you can't go on a social media without seeing some sort of wrestling, um, you know, being shared or being talked about. And obviously we're going to get into that with you here in a minute, but you know, talking about how popular things have been, have you seen that too from getting shows out there? Do you see fans looking for, you know, a more localized product and, and really wanting to support somebody within their area? Um, you know, I feel like that a little bit. I, you know, the we've been been in West Dallas for you know a year now, and it seems like every show we're getting more and more people that you know I'll say, like I can, I, I usually work the door at my show, so you know I'm for the most part you know, you recognize people and a lot of people that come to indie wrestling shows in Milwaukee, they come to a lot of them and they've been coming to them for a long time. So, you know, a lot of people. So when there's people that come in, that I don't really recognize. I always ask them like, Hey, how'd you hear about the show? And a lot of times they just say, Oh, we live in the neighborhood or we live close to here and we saw the signs or whatever. So that's, you know, it's, it does feel like that a little bit, like people are coming out and just, you know, supporting a little bit more, you know? So how do you feel coming off this weekend? Because it obviously was uh, it was very historic on multiple multiple fronts. But for you yourself to uh, you know walk through the hallowed halls, you know of the world's most famous arena, and for you to kind of uh, take that stage, looking back, you know what do you think about this past weekend and the events that unfolded? Because like I said, probably in the grand scheme of the business, I think this might have been one of the most historic weeks ever. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's Madison Square Garden, which, you know, um, a bunch of us are joking around about, hey, every every show after this is downhill now, you know. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's the world's the most famous uh, wrestling venue in the world, you know. We got, to, we got to wrestle there, and we got to wrestle there on a show that was, you know, the first non-WWE show there in, like, what, almost, I don't know, like 40, 50 years or something like that, right? Yeah. First non-McMahon wrestling show. Exactly. So that, I mean, that right there is is just crazy, you know? Like, so to be a part of that and, you know, the place was sold out, it was packed. Uh, It was was pretty awesome, man. It was, you know, definitely something I'll never forget about. Obviously yourself, Bully, Shane Taylor versus Flip, Mark Haskins, and Juice Robinson – Great to get on the card, obviously. Huge, momentous occasion. But what did you think? How did you think the match turned out? And kind of what were you feeling walking through the, uh, you know, the hallowed halls and walking down to the ring? Yeah, man. I mean, it was uh, it was, it was definitely a, a very cool experience. I remember uh, shortly after getting into the ring, taking a second and just kind of looking around and thinking, man, this is, this is pretty amazing, you know. Uh, so, you know, in the match, I, I mean, I thought the match was good. You know, it was, uh, it was billed as a you know, a six man street fight and, you know, for being part of that, that part of the show and stuff like that, I thought things went pretty well. I mean, I, I think people seemed to enjoy it and they, you know, things seemed to build and build as it went on. So I thought it was, you know, I was happy with it. And, you know, I thought, you know, for what it was, it was, I thought we did a good job. Very cool. Like we said, a non WWE show or non McMahon show hasn't been there 50, 60 years. So to be a part of history is just amazing and kind of you know creating your own history that's great the working relationship with new japan roh seems to be going great were you shocked when it originally kind of kind of came out that roh was in discussions with madison square garden about running a show wrestlemania weekend yeah yeah you know what I, at first i didn't realize that it was for uh 
WrestleMania weekend, but I remember hearing about it, and I was like, wow, and I thought, crazy, man, that place seats like 20,000 people, like, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty ambitious, you know, and then, uh, then it, and then, then it happened, and then tickets went on sale, and they sold out in like 20 minutes, and I was, it blew my mind, you know, but you know, I feel a lot about wrestling nowadays is people, people want to be there for history-making moments, they want to be there for the next big event, you know, like, uh, like all in was a, you know, a big, huge deal because, you know, it was something so brand new and fresh, uh, you know, and fans wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, I think that was the same thing with Madison square garden is, you know, it was something that was, you know, 50 years in the making, you know, so people, people want to be there and be a part of it. So, you know, it was, like I said, it was awesome to be there. It was awesome to be a, a part of history. So, uh, it, man, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, crazy did you know kind of going in what your match was going to be and everything like that or was it kind of a thing that you know not last minute but kind of came out at you later were you well prepared for what you were going um, to be doing that night yeah yeah i mean i, I mean we had definitely had a, an idea ahead of time you know but uh you know sometimes uh things are kind of you know they're kept they're kept close because they don't they don't want things getting out so yeah, it definitely felt like they didn't want to kind of reveal too much. And obviously, you know, you got TV and other things leading into it that, that kind of, um, you know, you got to build up first and then kind of lead into the match. Right, right. So what are your yeah, thoughts? It, it, oh, I'm sorry. I was I was going to say, it's it's funny, though, you know, nowadays is, you know, things like that have to be considered with our, our TV. You know, it's like every other event is live, but the TV's you know, pre-taped. So it's, you know, I think that sometimes tends to be an issue with things like that. Exactly, exactly. So what are your thoughts on this working relationship in New Japan? Obviously, it's been going on for several years for Ring of Honor, but it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger each year you guys work with them. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great opportunity. I think it's a good thing for both companies. You know, uh, both companies benefit from it. Uh, you know, the boys benefit from it. Uh, so, you know, I think I think it's a good thing. I think it's win-win, and the more, the more business that they keep doing every year, the, you know, just the better it is for everybody, it seems like. And it seems like Ring of Honor is kind of expanding further than just Japan. Obviously, CMLL relationship in Mexico. I have a good relationship with Rev Pro in the UK. Are you thinking that Ring of Honor is a strong number two, kind of as not, so to speak, competition, but just a strong number two in the wrestling business as we see it right now? Yeah, I mean, I think as of right now, you know, I, I think it definitely is, uh, you know, like you said, it's something that continues to grow every year. You know, they have a they have a big TV market, and they're you know they're in a unique situation though, where you know they're owned by a broadcasting group. So for just for the broadcasting group, you know, it serves a purpose for them to own a wrestling company because it provides programming for them that they don't have to pay for. So I think it's uh it's one of those weird situations where you know it uh it, it strangely is a number two now. Uh, you know. Um, with stuff like, you know, TNA, uh, you know, having to switch TV markets so often and stuff like that, you know, I think is, you know, maybe affected their business a little bit or just like, you know, maybe like the the bad connotations behind it, which, you know, I know their, their product is turned around and, you know, it's a, a lot better, but, you know, sometimes people can be a little fickle and don't want to uh, give a fourth or fifth or 16th chance, you know, so... I definitely think that Ring of Honor is in a position to definitely claim being a number two company in the United States. Absolutely. And it feels 
So like, you know, obviously they keep growing, they keep getting bigger. Like you said, maybe Impact TNA, they're kind of slowing down. They're not really uh, in as many markets. People really not watching as much. But with ROH and Ring of Honor, is kind of getting that global feel, and it, and you guys are having the ability to kind of, you know, travel places, whether it's UK, you know, Japan, Mexico, whatever. It just it just seems like ROH is more of a, a global company. It just seems like they're kind of always taking that next step forward. Are you have a long term deal with Ring of Honor? Are you going to be there for the long haul? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I just signed a three-year deal with them at the at the beginning of this year. So, I mean, I'm, for, for the next three years, you know, I'm with uh, mm. I'm with them. You know, that three years is a long time, though. You know, things can happen, things can change. You know, uh, so you know, I mean, but I look at it as you know, I want to be there for the long haul. Like, I, I like the company, I like the atmosphere. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it and I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the schedule, and uh, you know, I'd be happy to, to you know be there for the long haul. To be quite honest with you. And I feel like you yourself is just great because not only a great worker, but I like how you're kind of old school in, in a certain sense. I mean, the last real man gimmick is kind of just the perfect gimmick for you. But I just like the way you work. I like the way you talk. I mean, it just kind of has that old school vibe to it. What kind of is, you know, not, not so to speak your influence, but, you know, how, how did you come up with the, the last real man gimmick or the, you know, the or, origination of kind of the way you are? Uh, so, I mean, the last real man gimmick is kind of a little bit of an extension of myself. Uh, my dad, growing up, I had five older brothers, and they were, you know, kind of dipshits and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, so my dad, you know, was kind of a hard ass. And, uh, um, you know, by the time I came around, he was, you know, he wasn't taking any crap. And, you know, my dad had, like, the slick back there, and he had a mustache. So it's it's kind of a nod to him. And then, like, the reason, like, I came up with that look was because of him, but then, and then kind of even the last real man thing, but it was like, it was just like, uh, you know, it was around the time when, uh, you know, they started talking, you started hearing like the term metrosexual for guys that, you know, like, you know, do their hair and like, you know, I guess do a little bit more, uh, primping or whatever. I don't know what the word is, I guess, uh, like, you know, doing their nails or whatever and stuff like that. Uh, or guys wearing skinny jeans. It was like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, society was starting to see a little bit of this change in how men were. So it was kind of like this idea that, you know, like a throwback to like our, our fathers or our grandfathers, you know, stuff that they would see that guys do nowadays and be like, that ain't no shit no man would do. So it was so, kind of like a, it was kind of like a simple, it was kind of like a simple gimmick. And it's one of those things that like, I mean, I knew that my wrestling was good. Like I had been wrestling for a long time, but I knew I needed something different. So I was just Silas Young. I was just this guy with a long hair and a beard. So I thought, why not shave in the mustache, start calling myself the last real man. And then basically just every person that I work against, I can tell you why I'm a man and why they're not a man. And as silly as it sounds like it's a very simple concept, but it works really well. I totally, totally agree. And I can't say you're wrong on any of that uh, assertions because that definitely feels like you may be at times the last real man because I feel like a lot of these guys with like you're saying that metrosexualness or whatever it is kind of going uh, maybe in the wrong direction for um, for us you know old school man or us throwback men right right exactly I mean and, I mean obviously I don't get what anybody does in their life but it's just it's one of those obvious uh you know obvious things in life that can be pointed out and, and it's very offensive to people you know 
Definitely, especially with a lot of today's modern fans. Um, we'll just say maybe hipsterish. We could say you know a lot oh, of the modern fans, yeah. so they definitely get offended. Yeah, it's definitely a very hipster-based crowd. I always think that gimmick is old school in a sense, but I, I kind of like the way you know you're presenting it today with the you know new school flavor. Obviously, the work rate is is a bit you know advanced, so to speak, and not, not so to speak as far as you know an old school wrestler. You definitely have great worker for today's day and age. What kind of you know new school, old school kind of mix do you see yourself kind of uh, asserting into your offense? Uh, well, you know, I just try to like, uh, I guess, honestly, my theory is, you know, you should just be, you should just be a bag guy, like, you know, for the majority of the match. And, you know, if, uh, I mean, everybody knows everything cool happens at the end of the show, right. Or at the end of the match. So, you know, I only do cool stuff at the end of the match where a lot of guys do cool stuff the whole match. <laughs> I mean, that's like <laughs> the simplest way to put it, I guess, you know, I, I just, I try to be a heel until it comes to the, you know, till the end of the match, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, we all know how wrestling works nowadays. Yeah, I think of absolutely. Like, I, I think of like I want to be I want to be a dick and make these people hate me as much as possible, but still at the end they'll respect me. I love that psychology because you kind of got that old school heel vibe to you, you know, with a new school flavor, obviously. But it's definitely more old school than a lot of the things you see today, where the guys are almost doing just high spots, high spots, or kind of not having as much psychology as we probably think they should have. Right, right. Well, and you know, and that's fine. There's, there's all types of different wrestling. You know, it'd be boring if every match on the show was the same. So you know, it's good to have these different types of wrestling. But I think I definitely, you know, take a little bit more of a slower pace in the ring. You know, at certain points. And that, that is kind of, not wrestling necessarily. That's all. Oh, that's great. But just the wrestling that I personally always enjoyed was kind of like the old school heels. You know, like uh, all. Arn Anderson or whatever, you know, you slow down methodical, but, you know, you pick up the pace when you need to, and, and you really work the crowd and different things like that. I just feel like you are like kind of a breath of fresh air, so to speak, and not only Ring of Honor, but in just wrestling in general, because you're definitely, like we said, kind of a throwback, kind of like that old school wrestler with that new school vibe. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of my idea was that there's, you know, so many guys going one way, I wanted to go the other way with it, you know. And I think that, you know, I've, you know, uh, I think that does help me stand, stand out just for, if for nothing else, for being different, you know. Do you have any influences as far as maybe some old school wrestlers you, you definitely kind of take from, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you know, like very, uh, you know, obvious guys like uh, Arn Anderson. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of even, even Macho Man when he was a heel. Uh, you know, any guys that just were, you know, just did, came up with very creative stuff, you know. Uh, I like to watch in a lot of the old, uh, like, NWA uh, shows, uh, like, from the early 80s. There was a lot of good heels. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of really good heels, you know, uh, back in the 80s, 90s. So, you know, basically any guy, you know, I was a big fan of the big boss man. You know, I always thought he was excellent. So guys like that. Now, as far as yourself in ROH, I know obviously, you know, you made your debut all the way back in 2007, left for a while, came back. But basically, you know, you've been in ROH for a very long time, really kind of returning in 2012 and basically been there ever since with some blips in the radar. But I really think that the feud that you had with Kevin Steen, when he kind of was on his way out, I feel like that kind of propelled you into 
you know, that, that main event scene, so to speak, or kind of that, that kind of elevated you up the card. Do you think that was kind of like the, the point where you really stood out, so to speak, in Ring of Honor? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that was a, a good point, but I think, uh, honestly, the stuff that really – um, made me stand out, you know, I th- me and Kevin definitely had some good matches, you know, and I, you know, I got the opportunity to, you know, yeah, I mean, got the opportunity to get the victory on him, you know, uh, on his way out. And, you know, that's always a, a good thing for, for a guy like, you know, Kevin or for a guy like me coming from a guy like Kevin. Uh, but, but the one that I think really helped, helped me propel or stand out was, uh, you know, the, the thing that I did with Belton Castle. Yes, and it was almost that kind of like we were saying before that old school, new school. You know, he's got a little bit of that hipster vibe to him. He's doing something different. He's doing some creative. He's being like you know that unique character, and you're kind of just being that like uh, almost like grumpy old wrestler, where it's like, oh my god, like what is this guy? You know, what's he doing? <laughs> it's the ultimate kind of real man versus this this new age man, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. It was uh, you know, it was like we we're the. Uh the polar opposites of each other, you know, the story was right there. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, it was done in a really good way. It was something that, you know, we didn't, we only had a handful of singles matches. And I think I went, think went like close to a year, maybe more, maybe, maybe a little under, but, you know, it was a real kind of long drawn out, you know, story. And I thought it was really well. And when it finally ended, it was, you know, something that the fans were really into and really enjoyed. And I liked kind of playing off the boys and stuff too. You know, you were uh, playing off them perfectly, so to speak, so to speak. As far as being able to, you know, I play that kind of, you know, surly guy that you're like questioning what they're up to, kind of questioning what Dalton <laughs> Castle's up to. But you know, very classy way. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. We, very funny stuff. There, there, there was one promo that I, I think that you know kind of pushed a little, pushed the line a little bit where I said, "I don't like the lifestyle that you and them boys have been living together." yes yes that promo would have happened like maybe a few years later i would have been in trouble you know so that was uh you know i wouldn't push the line a little bit and it was you know it's it was just one of those good things man it was uh you know it was all i thought it had a nice a nice pace to it a nice build and it was you know something that everybody really enjoyed and you're right you guys did play off each other perfectly and perhaps now if you said that you would probably maybe be in trouble for whatever reason does that make it harder for you like because you got to think at some of your promos like oh i can't say this or i can't say that i may get in trouble isn't that kind of crazy that these fans might get offended from wrestling promos and wrestling storylines i know it kind of is right like you don't like like my perfect example all the time is like like, like people get really mad about like re- like stuff that happens in wrestling and it's like it's supposed to be offensive like no one gets mad at uh you know leonardo dicaprio when he dropped the end bomb like eight thousand times in the movie django unchained because they realize that it's a movie and it's a form of entertainment and it's not really who leonardo dicaprio is you know like uh you know that was that was a great movie and, and no one thinks any different of the actors in there who were you know dropping the end bomb a million times in that movie you know absolutely that's great analogy that's so true because you're supposed to, you know, have emotion. You're supposed to get offended. Like when, let's say, Slaughter Hogan, when Slaughter burned the flag, and Slaughter did this, like, that's because you wanted to hate him. By the time Hogan got him at WrestleMania, you wanted to kill him. If that happened today, you know, WWE would be in trouble. Vince would be in trouble. Slaughter would be in trouble. It's it's just crazy, right? Right. But, you know, there, there is certain things like, I mean, I think the flag thing is fine, but, you know, there's certain things that I think should still be off limits. Like, I think the, you know, the race thing, like, 
probably we shouldn't touch on that really. Uh, um, also, like, I don't like it, like, you know, sometimes, like, mentally challenged people come and, like, you'll have guys that are like, hey, you effing retards or whatever. It's like, come on, dude. But, you know, that's that's just unnecessary, you know. So there's some things that I think are, uh, you know, should still be a little off limits. But, you know, for the most part, you should be able to be a little offensive. You should be able to push the line a little bit, you know, and not have to worry about getting in trouble because you're genuinely making people mad like you're supposed to be. Totally agree. That's uh, kind of the role of playing a heel, really getting the emotions really kind of playing on that. And I feel like maybe uh, current wrestling fans maybe aren't quite getting that, uh, you know, as much as maybe they they should be. But, you know, that's kind of neither here nor there. But I do feel like nowadays these fans almost take it too far where, you know, they'll they'll kind of call the sponsors a show and they'll try to like get the show in trouble sometimes i feel like they almost ruin the show a little bit instead of just being fans and enjoying it right right well you know i think a big i think a big part of it too is in that you know i just kind of realized this a while ago is uh you know wrestlers have become a lot more humanized than when they were than they were when we were kids like i remember when i was a kid like I never considered the fact that the big boss man grew up and wanted to be a wrestler. I just thought he was just born to be a wrestler. I just thought he was really hmm. a cop who was like dirty and ended up becoming a wrestler. Like I thought <laughs> guys like, you know what I mean? Like I just, that shit never crossed my mind. You know what I mean? You just assumed, I don't know. I guess when you're a kid, you just kind of like assume like, I don't know, like the million dollar man's probably just always been rich. You know what I mean? Like that's why he's an asshole like this mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, I know it sounds silly, but like, you know, uh, the wrestlers have become more humanized, so they're not like characters anymore. Like you don't see like, like actors, like actors don't really like go online and thank each other for like the playing different parts in the movie with them or like, like <laughs> talking to fans and stuff a lot like that. Like, and I know I'm not trying to sound like a dick or anything, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, like a lot of like stars, I guess, so to speak there, they don't, they don't, they don't, they, they, they treat themselves like stars. And I know it sounds weird, but like, especially in like nowadays where people are like, so like hung up on celebrities and stuff like that, like celebrities are so unaccessible, you know what I mean? Like they got like people like blocking them, like, like, you know, people blocking paparazzi from taking pictures of them and stuff like that. They're like, they're different, you know, and I guess just maybe society's a little different too, but I just think the like wrestlers have become more humanized and, you know, it's maybe it's a little bit harder for fans to disconnect character from real person. You know, that that is a great point because it is much more easier to interact with these guys either Twitter or you know, let's say autograph signs or whatever, and you kind of learn more about them. Um, and they're definitely more humanized as far as the fact that they feel like they know them, and, and anytime they to do anything, maybe it is like you said, maybe it is more offensive, and maybe the wrestlers are being too open. Do you think that maybe as far, obviously K-Fate's been dead for a long time, but you think that maybe we should, you know, have the door closed from us a, a bit from the wrestlers? Should maybe K-Fate should be brought back a little bit? No, cause it's not going to be, everybody knows it. Like mm. people used to be crazy, man. They used to like stab wrestlers and stuff like that. Cause they thought that shit was real. But nowadays people are smarter. They, they know that's, they know it's they know what the the show is and you know, I just think it's it's how society is. You know, you have things like Twitter and even if you <clears throat> wanted to do something like that, I don't think it'd be possible anyways. And I just think that people uh, you know, are just different because there's so much more access and stuff like that that it'd be almost impossible to even do that if you wanted to. 
Now, as far as yourself, obviously, Ring of Honor, you had quite a good run. We mentioned two-time television champion. When they give you the title and things like that, does that mean anything to you? Because us as fans, we're always thinking like, oh, wow, that means uh, you know they're being elevated or they, they must think a lot of them or this is great. They must see money in them. Do you have the kind of, when you win the t- uh, television title, do you have that kind of same reaction the fan does or does it not mean as much to you and it's just kind of wrestling titles? No, it absolutely means something. But like when, you know, uh, when it's a place that's, you know, like if, if you win a title at some little indie shore or whatever that you've been to a couple of times, like that's not as big of a deal. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool. It means that like, and the promoter thinks you're the best guy or whatever. So that's, you know, it's always, you know, it's a good sign of respect and everything. But I think when you win a title for, you know, when you're working at a place like Ring of Honor or, you know, any place where you're making a living at, I think that's really important. You know, I, I mean, I'm definitely super proud of that. It's a huge highlight of my career, you know, and, and to not be a you know one-time winner, a multi-time winner, that's, you know, only a handful of guys in the company have done that. So, you know, that, like, it's like a double accolade, you know. So it's definitely something that, you know, I think all of us guys think is pretty cool because, you know, like I said, it means a company believes in you. And, uh, you know, they see, a, they see a future in you. And, you know, I mean, to be completely honest, wrestling is a business. So, you know, the more future you have, you know, hopefully it means the more money you can make too. So definitely, well, definitely titles, are, titles are definitely important. Well said. And uh, as far as winning the television title, Final Battle 2017, what were your thoughts when you won it? Were you, like you said, you know, good future good money were you thinking like wow this is a, a you know great step forward for me you know i'm really going to you know kind of not elevate the title but almost myself is being elevated because this is pretty prestigious ring of honor obviously one of the top companies and television title not was not thrown around to you know to say not all titles are but ring of honor does a good job of not really changing the title so much where they don't mean something when you win a, t- a title of ring of honor it tends to mean something yeah, it, def- it definitely does. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I was I was real excited about it, you know, and I those things that you just said, like that's totally how I felt. I was excited. I felt like, you know, I want to really have a really good title run. You know, I, I felt like the company believed in me. You know, it's uh, it's you know, it's great. You know, I thought I thought it was awesome. You know, like I said, it'd be something you know I'll never forget. As far as you know, having a run with the TV title and this and that. Is it as important to you to have good matches or is it important for you to get crowd reaction? Because that seems to be a big debate amongst fans is, oh, um, it was a great match, but the crowd wasn't into it. You'll hear like a lot of weird debates. It almost doesn't make sense. Are you are you the one that's, that's more for the crowd reaction? Or are you the one that's more for let's have a great match or does that well, coincide? I mean, let's be honest with you, like how can you have a great match if the crowd's not responding? I mean, we're there to right. entertain, we're there to entertain the right. crowd. So just because you guys, just cause some guys called some stuff and then went out there and executed things. Well, it doesn't mean it was a good match. Like if the fans aren't entertained by it, like maybe you're not guys aren't entertained by it for it. So I think, I mean, I think it's a combination of, you know, feeling like you and the other person that you're working with are in sync with each other and things are feeling good. And I think when, when that's happening and things are feeling good and you're, 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 you're energy is working off of each other i think the fans feel that and i think that's when they get i think that's when they get invested you know i think if you i think when you work at a place for ring of honor like you're obviously you know damn good at what you do so all of us are definitely more than capable of 
you know, uh, having performances that, you know, elicit crowd reactions. So I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes you have matches that just feel special, you know, uh, where you just feel like you and the person that you're in there with are super in sync and then the crowd's just feeling it and they're behind everything like that's, that to me is a good match, but you know, just because you can go out there and perform things flawlessly doesn't mean it's a good match. I agree. It is. It's weird sometimes with um, the, the fan base. Like, oh, it was a great match. Crowd was dead, but great match. I always find that funny. It's like, how is, how could that those two things go together? They, that well, doesn't really. I mean, I, together. I, I can get the I can get the thing with the crowd being dead because sometimes, you know, some shows will drag on and on, and it's like, uh, like I'll be honest with you, like TV tapings, like mm, we tape mm, four episodes mm. at a time, and, and man, some sometimes those tapings go like five, five and a half hours. I don't give a damn how big of a wrestling fan you are. That's a long ass time to be sitting there watching. Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my god, yeah, yep. Like I mean, we got we all just watched WrestleMania the other night. That stuff was like five, five and a half hours, right? Oh my god, yeah. And if you count the pre-show, it's seven and a half hours. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy long, but, you know, uh, and, you know, and you could notice at the end of that show, like, you know, I guess those matches that those guys had were good, and if it was probably was on, a, you know, like a, a SmackDown or a Raw or something like that, you know, they would have been considered good matches, but, you know, I think, the, you know, this is one of those things, too, where, like, some of these guys at towards the end of the show that had, you know, like it seemed like they had eight or ten minutes, like, that eight or ten minutes wasn't terrible, wasn't bad, and stuff was good and when typically in a different setting elicited good reaction but when you're that long in you know people are kind of getting to a point where they're like i just want to see the main event you know absolutely yep and sometimes you're right tv tapings can go too long wrestlemania we're not going to get into it but i mean that went way too long but you know what i pretty much ended up falling asleep because it was going on so long i think it went probably to about um 12 30 or something like that i heard so it was like oh my god too long and obviously sometimes with those television tapings Sinclair or whoever, you know, they need a certain amount of episodes. So sometimes it ends up being four episodes. You can be at the building as a fan for five, six hours. It's it can get long for sure. You're definitely right on that. Yeah, absolutely. It gets pretty brutal. Now as far as you I just want to touch on just a few things because Jay Lethal, I just think of you and him having just a great feud. So many good matches. The last man standing match for sure sticks out. Lethal, which they say now is you know one of the greatest champions in the history of the company. What did you think about your feud with Lethal? Because you guys seem like you had a great chemistry, not only the first feud, but when you guys end up feuding again and you get in world title matches and things like that, uh, glory by honor, it feels like you guys definitely had some great chemistry. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think uh, I think me and Jay kind of work a little bit of a similar style. Uh, you know, he's he's a, a total professional. You know, he I can easily say he's the best guy in our locker room. You know. Uh, he's, uh, you, anybody that works with him is better for it, you know? Uh, so I, I totally enjoyed the, all the work I've had with Jay. Uh, you know, he's a guy that everybody in the locker room respects. Uh, you know, everybody likes, he's a personable dude, like, and he's just, he's excellent at what he does. You know, he's definitely doesn't, doesn't shame me at all to say that he's the, he's the best guy in our locker room. I always find it interesting with you. I mean, lethal is great. But with you, you seem so adaptable because they'll throw you in there with Lethal. You have a good match. They'll throw you in there, let's say, with Kushida a couple of years ago. You have a good match. And then they throw you in there with, like, a Bully Ray. Or they'll throw you in there with the Sandman, and you could still have a good match. Do you find yourself to be adaptable in that way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is a, definitely a business where you should be adaptable. You know, you should be able to work with, work with anybody. And I think uh, part of it when I 
when I first started training. Hold on a second. When I first started training, you know, we got told that, you know, you're going to work with guys that are bigger than you, guys that are smaller than you, you know, guys that are older than you or, or uh, you know, slower than you. So you got to kind of, you got to gauge the type of mass you have. You know, and I, I wrestled, <laughs> I mean, this is a horrible guy to bring up because he has such a, a dark past or dark past now or whatever, uh, Buck Zumoff, who, you know, was arrested for some disgusting stuff. But, you know, I wrestled him like, you know, years, years, years back. And we had like up to, you know, 30 minutes, just old school wrestling match, you know, and you just learn how to adapt uh, to, you know, working with different people. And I think that's important. I think it makes you go, go a lot farther in wrestling. And you've shown that, especially in Ring of Honor, with all the different guys you're able to wrestle, and even had a nice little stint there against like Austin Aries and Adam Page, but then changed it up and worked with the the British guys like Doug Williams and Joe Hendry. So I mean, you definitely have been working a lot of different styles. Are you the one in there that can just, like we say, kind of adapt to anybody, or you think that it's it's the dance partner as well? Uh, you know, I like I said, I think when you work there. I think uh, you're gonna, you know, you're you're to a certain caliber, so to speak. Uh, you don't you don't get there by accident. So I don't know. I feel like when you got two guys that are like just good and they're professionals, you should be able to go out there and have a a good outing. I know it doesn't happen all the time, but I guess I'm just I feel like I have a good mindset for how to uh, mesh each other's stuff together, so to speak. Yeah, that is uh, for sure. And as we start to wind it down, start to hit the wind down button. I got to ask because we talked about how many great matches you kind of had and different things. What are some of your favorite matches? I know we talked about some of the guys, but maybe some of the guys we haven't mentioned. Do you have some favorite matches in Ring of Honor or maybe in elsewhere? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really like that uh, last man standing match that I, uh, that I had with uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, me and Kenny King also had a last man standing match for the TV title at Supercard two years ago. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, the match with, uh, you know, just at Madison square garden for obvious reasons, uh, you know, and it was, what was cool for that was, uh, you know, um, guys like, uh, like juice Robinson, you know, I've known him for forever. So to be able to, you know, do something huge like that and do it with someone you've known for a long time is, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. So, so much good matches as far as your career, but so many cool names like getting to wrestle Jushin Thunder Liger at the biggest show of the year, Final Battle in 2016. Does stuff like that stick out as far as who you work and where you work? I know obviously MSG would stand out, but like when you work with legends and stuff like that, do you think that you know that kind of stuff sticks out too? Like, wow, Ring of Honor is great because they can bring in these legends and I get to work with all different guys. Yeah, man, it's it's amazing. I was I remember being super pumped when I heard that I was going to get to work with Liger. So, uh, you know, and he's he's another guy that's just a you know true professional. And that was just that was an awesome experience. You know, he was a super giving dude, and uh, you know, it's definitely another thing that you know I'll, I'll probably remember forever. Hopefully, if my brain doesn't go on me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some favorite opponents? I know obviously Jay Lethal, but do you have some favorite opponents that maybe? not even just ring of honor, but just, you know, in, in the indie scene guys that you mesh well with, maybe guys we haven't talked about, maybe even guys we wouldn't even think of as some of your favorite opponents. 
uh, you know, like me and Elgin had some uh, good matches together. Uh, there's a few dudes from this area, like there's a dude from this area, Jason Dukes, like me and him uh, back in the day used to have a bunch of really good matches together. Uh, you know, um, trying to think who else, you know, a lot of guys that work for AEW, you know, I worked, um, I worked with a, a guy named Dan Lawrence down there who me and him had a, uh, you know, a handful of uh, good matches as well. But, you know, that was like another place working at AEW was, it was one of those places where no matter who you got matched up with, you know, you're going to do something good out there. And I know we're talking about AAW, but what are your thoughts on AEW? Obviously the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody. What are your thoughts on them kind of being not only competition for maybe WWE, but kind of being big competition for Ring of Honor? Uh, you know what, dude? I think it's great, man. Another place for guys to work is not, never a bad thing, you know. And like, you know, it's it's just more opportunities out there. It's another, another, you know, maybe another option for employment at some time, you know. So, I mean, I think it's great, you know. And it's, uh, I think it's cool that it's something that you know the the boys are doing, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I think there's been something that came out about them maybe having a TV deal coming up. So that's, I think it's good. I think it's good for everybody. I think it's good when wrestling so good that there's now four viable companies to make a living at, you know, in the United States wrestling for, whereas when I first started wrestling, two thirds of the companies had, uh, two thirds of the business had, had died, you know? So it's, uh, it's definitely a good thing when there's more places to make money. Yeah. When you were, for making your debut in you know the early 2000s, WCW just died, ECW just died. I mean, the landscape has completely changed here in 2019, where AEW is coming strong, and the rumor is that they may go on TBS and TNT. Yeah, like with a weekly TV show, how awesome would that be, man? That'd be, I think that'd be amazing. That would be uh, very cool and very different for wrestling to kind of get the juices flowing the competition flowing again like you said would be great plus the guys sometimes you know you get released too or some guys contract runs out now you can kind of make more money and then that's kind of important too because maybe you negotiate or maybe this league wants you so that's never hurtful either right no absolutely you know that's that's kind of what i meant plus you know like you you know a lot of us have been doing this a long time so you know it's you don't want to hear that one of your friends lost his ability to make money. So, you know, it's good to just know that there's more options out there for guys, you know. It's, uh, I think, the, you know, wrestling is a, a weird business where, you know, you put your life in other guys' hands and you develop friendships or, at the very least, respect for each other. And, you know, you never want to see someone going without. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a great, more, just another opportunity for guys. Definitely. And you had an OVW development deal at one point you were had some matches for wb was that ever kind of a thought of yours that you, you know you had to make it to wb like you know oh, in order to make it you know you got to make wb or that's never like a thought process for you that you never really thought you know oh, i need to be yeah. there or i need to stay there or anything like that yeah i mean honestly uh you know earlier in my career was definitely uh definitely a thing because there was really nothing else out there you know it was, so it was definitely the thing to do but you know as time went on and things didn't work out, you know, you realize that there's, there's other opportunities, you know, and it's even to a point now with WWE, even for guys who sign, it's, it's tough a, a little bit because they have so many guys under contract. They have some like 300 guys under contract. So it's a little bit like hoping that your popularity is enough, that people like you enough, that uh, people in charge like you enough, that they're going to give you opportunities and put you in the right positions to even be able to, you know, make it to TV. So, you know, uh, you know, those guys are still, 
doing good for themselves. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, but I mean, the ultimate goal when working for WWE is to, you know, work or work raw or SmackDown every week, you know, and that's right now it's such, such a, a crapshoot a little bit with, you know, whether you're going to get put in that position, you know, which was a big uh, deciding factor for me with Ring of Honor because it was a company that I've worked for and they've continually used me better and better every year. So I was going to kind of go with the, uh, the place that's been doing me right the whole time. Yeah, and it seems like WWE now, and even with NXT, they almost have too many guys, and sometimes the guy's on TV this week, then he's not on for a couple weeks, and it'll be a great, talented guy, but you're just kind of wondering, did he get lost in the shuffle? Do they have too many guys? And, and you never want that to happen to yourself. I mean, you don't want to be kind of disappearing on and off TV, and like you said, Ring of Honor keeps you going strong week in, week out. Right. You know what I don't think people understand sometimes is like, People are like, yeah, but I don't know why they'd be upset they're making a bunch of money. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're making a bunch of money, but it sure sucks to, like, be away from your family, like, literally five to five and a half days out of the week to, like, fly somewhere and drive from town to town but not be used at all. You know, like, it's real old real quick. You know, we, like, as indie, even as, like, indie wrestlers, guys are driving all over the place for very little money, but, you know, we're doing it because it's what we love to do. So when you're not when you're getting paid to do something that you love to do, but you're not really being allowed to do what you love to do, like that's, that's heartbreaking, you know? So it's, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, we'll just go there and take the money. But like, if you're not getting used, that sucks. And it kills your whole drive for it, you know? Well said. I mean, that's pretty much you know, nail on the head. That is right. I mean, you can be used, but you know, they're not really being used. So it's kind of um, spending away time away from your family. Not for no reason, but uh, it, it's a little bit more, hurting and a little bit more you know missing the family there when you're not actually utilized to your full potential and then right. when another say you get released something like that it's almost like oh we haven't seen this guy in years they almost the fans almost kind of forget like oh this guy's so talented then you got to rebuild yourself i mean it's a whole long kind of tedious process if you're not really being used on wwe tv yeah wrestling's a weird business it's not like any other business where it's like oh just take the, the best job that pays you the best or you know, and and and, that's the, and even the thing though too is now is, you know, it's a developmental. It doesn't even necessarily mean to be getting paid the best. You know, got places like Ring of Honor are paying guys. You know, pretty pretty nice for especially for the schedule. So, uh, you know, it's they're definitely uh, you know a viable com- competitor for guys to to want to work for. And hey, when you work for MSG or you're at MSG and you're doing these big shows also helps get the uh, the name and the brand out there so that you become more and more viable in the fans' eyes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Now, just uh, one one last question for me before I pass it over to Chad. Just was curious because this was out there, then it was kind of not out there. Are you, in fact, related to Stan the Larry Hansen? Are you his nephew? Is that not true? Is that just a gimmick? What is the true that, story that, behind that? That's not true, and it's not even like a gimmick I tried doing uh I think like early in my career, I worked this dude who claimed to be Stan Hansen's nephew, which I don't think it ever was. And I think whenever it got like written up on the internet, like it just got mixed up that I was his nephew. So, and I think that's honestly where that came from. Cause that wasn't something that I ever put out there or claimed or anything like that. Cause I remember hearing it the first thing in time, think, hearing that and thinking like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's cut from the same cloth kind of thing. I think that people can see you fit in pretty damn good with uh with stan's uh, generation so maybe that's a that's a good thing because you could slot you right in there but before we get into the wrap-up hey, here man, it's, but it's definitely not a bad thing to be said you know no it's not a bad accusation 
Oh, absolutely not. But before we get into the wrap-up here about MKE Wrestling one more time, the way we like to end it is we like to kind of look in the crystal ball five years down the road. And obviously, you know, coming off this giant weekend for the whole entire business. And then you obviously have a big weekend coming up here with MKE Wrestling. Where do you see yourself in five years, Silas? You know, do you still see yourself kind of doing what you're doing now and obviously making a huge mark in your current role? Do you see yourself wanting to move on and maybe do something, you know, quote, maybe bigger and better or is it going to be moving into more of wanting to expand MKE Wrestling and and really see that kind of grow into its own uh, separate entity? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think with as far as my career goes, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I really love working where I work at. So, you know, honestly, I still see myself uh, working there. You know, definitely in a, a bigger role. You know, uh, champion or at least former champion by that time. Uh, and then as far as MKE Wrestling, you know, it's just something that you know I'd like to let kind of, uh, you know, let the fans get to see more and more of it. You know, there might be some opportunities with some uh, uh, some some shows around the, the area outside of the monthly shows that we are going to be doing possibly this summer. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just see, I see it growing. I see it being, I want it to be something that, you know, so the community realizes is here. And, you know, it's, it's like anything, the longer something's around, the more people uh, become interested, the more people want to see it, the more uh, legitimate it becomes. So, uh, you know, I see it just, I see it growing, you know, it's a, it's a passion of mine. All the guys that, uh, you know, that we, that I bring in are all pretty talented guys. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be seeing it being a, a, a big thing around here the, the, in the next five years. Yeah, and it's Friday, April 19th. MKE Wrestling presents the last night, the very last professional wrestling event to be held at the legendary Knights of Columbus after uh, hosting wrestling for 25 years. This building's getting torn down. So what better way to tear this building down than have one last appearance here of Baron Von Raschke, the legend who just, he performed in the building you did. He was in Madison Square Garden many times, as well as having on the card and performing a steel. Of course, he helped train Cole Cabana. He helped train CM Punk. And if you go to this show and you get to grab a steel for a couple minutes, pick his brain folks, because it is a wealth of knowledge. But Silas, give us the last pitch here for MKE wrestling. Tell us where we can go and check it out as well as tell us everything going on in the world of Silas Young. All right, MKE Wrestling, like we said, is Friday, April 19th. It is at the Knights of Columbus building in West Allis. That's 1800 South 92nd Street. Doors open at 6.30, bell times at 7.30. Tickets are $15 for general admission. If you are interested in any Silas Young merchandise, you can always look on ROHWrestling.com as well as ProWrestlingTees.com backslash silas young and you can always give me a follow on twitter at last real man roh i'd like to think that we could be the other real men maybe we'd be like the last couple real men we've kind of put this three-man group here together and we kind of watch your back what do you think (laughs) i don't know a real man doesn't need nobody to watch his back (laughs) (laughs) very nice very very that's an awesome way to end it well silas thanks so much for coming on with us tonight all the best with you guys at mke rock and roll that'll be a great show and i hope to speak with you again in the future if you ever need anything from us two-man power trips here for you all right thanks a lot guys thanks for having me on Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.